the Fantasy Six-Pack Hour. With your hosts, Joe Bob. Ah, you're awful. And A.J. Applegar. Sin Shu Chu. It's a mouthful. All right, all right. Welcome to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. My name is Joe Bond, founder of FantasySixPack.net. Me and my producer are fighting over the buttons here on StreamYard. Uh, as you saw the banners glitch off and on. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> my co-host with me as usual, AJ Abergarth. What is up, man? Hey, what up? I'm not fighting over buttons. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't give you that privilege for good reason. <laughs> yeah, because you'd lose <laughs> okay um all right man so we have a good guest on tonight for our nl central preview for the 2021 fantasy baseball season um let's just uh let's just jump right into it and and bring him on and <clears throat> and uh hey blair are you there i'm here thanks for having me on yeah so uh so blair williams is a writer for rasball uh pitcher list he's also author of his own book uh making japan's national game a cultural history of baseball in japan um tell us a little bit about that man that's actually kind of fascinating uh so my previous life was in academia i have a phd in japanese history uh master's in the history of science and technology um, so basically, my uh, book that eventually did come out of uh, my Japanese history degree was basically the first uh, history of baseball in Japan from 1872, the introduction, all the way to 2008. And you can take a look at it on Amazon or the link in my Twitter profile at Everywhere Blair if you want to learn more about Japanese history and the game of baseball in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, we'll th- we'll throw the link on there in the show notes too for you. Um, you can let me know if you want the yeah. Amazon one or, or the the one that's in your profile or not. But uh, yeah, so it'll it'll be there for you guys uh, to check that out. Um, <clears throat> so we do a segment every week, and uh, it's called Beer of the Week, and we will let you. Uh, you said you want to partake in that this week with us, and I uh, <laughs> appreciate that. So uh, let's get it going. AJ, you want to do your sound effect? Hmm. Beer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good one. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever go back to the other one. Uh, <laughs> all right, Blair, you are the, uh, the guest of honor. So go ahead and let us know what you're sipping on tonight. All right. Well, originally I, I was going to start with rum because I'm kind of known for, for rum, but hey. I was listening to uh, the recent episodes to make sure I was caught up. You're like, oh yeah, beer. So I, uh, I got my, my cheap Wisconsin beer. I got to bring it into camera. Lion Kugel's original. This nice. is, uh, you know, the, the finest uh, 50 cent per can lager that you can find in the middle of Wisconsin. <laughs> nice. And uh, it's, it, it's the kind uh, that the locals will say that you crush. And uh, it's, it's actually pretty good. So I, I, uh, I, I have cases of this. But, you know, what the, uh, what the people 
the the uh, the fine refined people want to know, of course, is which rum I'm drinking. And right now it's Diplomatico from Venezuela, Mantuano, which is the cheaper little brother to the Exclusiva Reserva. If you ever are out and you see the Diplomatico Exclusiva Reserva, it is excellent. It's a little bit sugary, um, but I've got my little fifth right here. Maybe it's a, okay. a large finger. And uh, it, this is this is my, my true thing that I enjoy drinking is rum. Hey, we we do not discriminate for uh, for alcohol. So you go you go do your you go do your thing, man. Um, <clears throat> AJ, what you got? All right. So tonight I am starting off with a jailbreak brewing company, clearly righteous West Coast style IPA. Uh, not a real heavy hitter here, six point seven, so a little lighter for what I, I guess I'm used to drinking. Um, but it's good, man. It's a, it's real smooth and. Uh, I don't know. I, I had a West Coast IPA not too long ago that was not very good, and this yeah. one definitely is much better. So I, I feel you on the West Coast ones, man. They are more missed than hit. It feels like for some reason I, I don't I don't know why. So um, <clears throat> anyway, I am drinking a True Respite Super Trooper. <laughs> hazy double hazy ipa um i bought it just for the can honestly i didn't even really care what the beer was um (laughs) obviously phenomenal movie phenomenal beer um it's it's actually lighter for me as well i've been you know i've been up there in the eights and and above for the last few weeks i feel like this is a 6.9 i think i gave it like three three and three quarters yeah nice huh um this one's a Gronk ABV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, man. Let's jump into it. Uh, NL Central preview. But first, you know, we, we do have some kind of, you know, not breaking news. This came out a couple of days ago. Carlos Carrasco, he's been shut down for the last couple of, uh, for the last couple of, uh, for the next couple of weeks at least with elbow soreness. I mean, to me, this just screams, uh-oh, avoid, run for the hills. Like, I don't want anything to do with him. Blair, what's what's your thoughts on, on, on this? Uh, well, I mean, three things. It's whether you've already drafted him, are in the process of an ongoing draft, or <laughs> yeah. you have not yet had your main drafts. If, uh, if you already drafted him, uh, which I think, Joe, you're in the situation there, yep. right? Yep. Uh, TGFBI. Yeah, First picture, too. I waited. Yeah, yeah you, uh, <laughs> you you, you got to be nervous because elbow soreness in spring training. Uh, of course, uh, every athlete's going to be a little bit sore. But, of course, in the situation of uh, recovering, uh, basically, he had leukemia, uh, I believe 2019. Uh, cancer does do a number on your ligaments and, of course, the treatments that go with it. Uh, we're seeing, of course, the wonky 2020 where a lot of pitchers were hurt in 2020. And now we're coming into 2021. You got you to gotta treat this with kid gloves. If you've already drafted him, mentally, I would be preparing for the next waiver wire, fab, what have you. Get yeah. your highest priority pitcher that you can. Because for <laughs> a lot of teams, Carrasco was either SP1 or SP2. Uh, so he's very important. And you, you got to recover from that if he misses time. If you're in the middle of a draft, you got to look at it like, Every single draft, every single team, you know somebody's going to get hurt somewhere on your team. Just treat it like 
hey, I know he's already somewhat hurt. I can be more aggressive uh, at the end of this draft. And uh, you can pick up some players that you may not have otherwise wanted to do. So go grab them. And if you haven't drafted yet, stay away. Yeah, I'm definitely not targeting him in, in any drafts coming up unless there's like really good news all of a sudden, you know, in the next couple of weeks. But I'm not expecting that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The first TGFBI uh, waiver run, I'm going to have to go pretty hard after a pitcher. Um, although, you know, it'll be early, so I don't know who I'm going to drop. Like, unless they say he's out for the year or, you know, something like that, I, I don't know what I'll do. You know, I drafted the guys I like and I've got depth so I can, you know, slide some people in. But it'll be uh, <clears throat> it'll be interesting for sure. I, I have the uh, I put a hex somehow on pitchers that I drafted TGFBI last year. I drafted Sale and um clevenger <laughs> that was not good they might have wanted to my book <laughs> I, like it's just bad man like i and i feel like the first year in tgfbi i got pretty creamed by injuries too i had not done very well because of the partially because of that reason but uh mm-hmm. yeah not not great so all right um Let's jump into the division preview here, and we're going to start with the Cubs. So what we do here, Jeff, is uh, we'll break down, you know, we'll run through a bunch of the newcomers to the team. We'll run through the projected batting lineup and rotation, and then we'll jump into three questions about each each team, uh, usually kind of player-based. So newcomers to the team for the Cubs, we got Jock Peterson, Austin Romine, Eric Sogard, Jake Marisnik, Jake Arietta, Zach Davies, and Trevor Williams. Jack Peterson sort of interests me. I mean, I know he's going to be in sort of a platoon role because, you know, he can't hit lefties or, you know, or le- righties to save his life. But it's, uh, I mean, what, what's your expectations here with uh, Jack Peterson at, in the Cubs? Well, you know, at, uh, at Rasball, we're never known for uh, going quietly into the night on a player. And uh, Jack <laughs> Peterson is one of the players that uh, we're actually going in pretty hard on this year. Uh, there, there's a good chance. Mm-hmm. I think roster resource has him. I'm, about hitting fifth kind of in the main lineup, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Fifth or sixth, actually, I should say six. I believe he's going to kind of slot in above uh, Javi Baez. And uh, he's he's definitely an, a late round outfield value. I think in most standard leagues, if you have listeners who are kind of doing the traditional 12-team mix, Jock Peterson is kind of uh, your end-of-game dart throw uh, because there are many other players with guaranteed playing time who aren't platooning, who uh, – uh, are probably going to be on a better team, something like that. Um, but for your deeper leagues and uh, what we're talking about here, TGFBI or, or uh, Slam, where you have five outfielders or best ball, NFBC cut lines, uh, he's, I don't want to say he's essential, but he's a hes a great upside pick, especially where he's going, uh, usually somewhere between 150 to 200 or so. You know, my worry with a player like him, and yeah, you know, he's got the upside. I know he's got the power. Um you worry because in like a weekly lineup league like TGFBI, and I know you can swap on Fridays, um, but you know if it's a weekly lineup league, like you might get stuck in a week where he might play three times. That might be a little off, but you know that's the risk you take with him in those leagues. In a daily transaction league, absolutely, I, I, I'm all over him. The home run potential is is huge for him. Um, but I mean, like, is there any difference there in in your in your uh, draft strategy with a Jack Peterson type of player where, between the different types of leagues, or are you just all in regardless? <laughs> I mean, for me, of course, I'm always all in. Uh, <laughs> ultimately, 
with daily leagues, I mean, for, for me, I, I should say there are some people with daily leagues who uh, really focus on the matchups, of course. They want to find the favorable pitcher matchups. They want to find the favorable uh, parks, and they, they kind of overthink it, and sometimes, of course, that backfires. I'm not in that school of thought. I prefer my daily leagues to just kind of be uh, enjoyable, and you want to have players that can play every day if you're uh, resorting to somebody like, say, Jock Peterson, who's a little bit uh, uh, platoonish, so to speak. Platoonish, but playing more regularly on a bad team, <laughs> if that's a good way of putting it. Um, uh, you know, he, he works out for daily, um, but of course, in weekly leagues, uh, just like you said, uh, that can also happen to a number of different players, especially in this kind of COVID era. Um, there are a number of situations, whether we have call it load management, COVID management, what have you, there could be a lot of players who just don't play as much as they used to. Yeah, that's that's very true. Definitely something to consider there. All right, so let's jump into the projected lineup here. Uh, we got leadoff Ian Happ. Second is Wilson Contreras, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, then your man, Jack Peterson, Javier Baez, Jason Hayward, and then Nico Horner is projected to be number nine. Uh, the starting rotation, we're looking at Kyle Hendricks, Jake Arrieta, Zach Davies, Alec Mills, and Trevor Williams with uh, the closer potentially being Craig Kimbrell. I guess it's what's going to happen to start the year at least. So, um, <clears throat> AJ, go ahead with the All first right. question, man. All right. Well, we uh, mentioned his name a couple times here, Mr. Javi Baez. I mean, look, his his season last year was, was pretty, pretty awful. Uh, batted only 203, had just eight homers, struck out a ton at uh, nearly 32% of the time. Um, I mean, how much – if at all, or are you buying into a bounce back season for Javi in 2021? I mean, so with Baez, we're kind of looking at a person who's got a pretty good track record considering. I mean, basically been full-time starter since uh, 2016. I mean, absolutely everything you said, AJ, is correct. Uh, I mean, just to give a, listeners a specific example, 2019, his walk rate was 5%. 2020, 3%. <laughs> K percentage went from 27.8 to 31.9. Uh, ISO dropped a ton. Uh, he went from positive 11 runs uh, on uh, his uh, runs uh, above replacement in 2019 to negative 13. I mean, that, that's 20, 20 runs difference. That's amazing. Swing. Um, but kind of when you look, you know, down the peripherals, everybody scrolls down on fan graphs. When you look at the plate discipline and we see where he's swinging at stuff, yeah. it's roughly in there with career averages. Um, definitely swinging strike rate, a little bit increased, but it's not like he's had problems with uh, contact before. You know, 273, 273, 290, 281 coming into the majors, basically his uh, full season numbers for me. Uh, I'm kind of buying into a bounce back on Javi Baez because he tend typically, especially at his age, I mean, right now, what is he just specifically, I don't want to get it wrong. 28. He's going on 28. Yeah. 28. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolute prime, uh, absolute steal probably at the ADP is going right now. So yeah. I'm, I'm buying the buyback or the, the comeback. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I guess the one thing I worry about is like we saw a little bit of you know we saw the regression from 2018 to 2019. You're talking about the the offensive war uh, dropping significantly from 2019 to 2020. It went from 28.5 to 11.7. I mean that's another massive drop. Yeah, so something point. he's a very aggressive hitter, and like so if he if he doesn't make the contact, it's gonna affect him. And clearly last year finally caught up to him. I mean people were kind of calling for that in 2019, and it sort of happened, but you know. It it he did enough uh, to not be a total you know totally worthless in, in 2019, but 2020 was was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I am too buying a little bit of the buyback, you know, the buy uh, bounce back as well. But I'm cautious a little bit. I'm not going to go reaching for him, you know, drastically where from mm-hmm. his ADP currently. Um, <clears throat> next guy here who had a bit of a breakout last season, Ian Happ. Uh, he, you know, he finally played a, I guess we'll say he finally played a full season again. All uh, right. He's, you know, he did it in his sophomore <laughs> season, but it didn't work out. And then he got jerked around in the lineup a bunch and called down in the next year. Never really got a chance to kind of get into the flow of things I felt like in 2019, but in 2020 new management, they gave him the chance and he, he played very well, you know, 258, two, 361, 505 slash line, 12 home runs, 27 12 home runs, 27 runs, and 28 RBI. I mean, can this guy improve even more off of last season? Or, you know, especially now that he was you know, announced as the leadoff hitter for the Cubs uh, just a week ago. I mean, or are we going to see him kind of regress back to what he was before? Yeah. Um, I mean, first I want to start with a comparison because uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota. And uh, if you're from Minnesota, you probably remember Michael Kadire. Michael mm-hmm. Kadire was a first rounder who was kind of pushed around in a lot of different positions, playing first, third, right field, left field. Uh, it's a similar story to Ian Happ they're hearing right now. I'm looking back at his uh, playing history. He's played everywhere but shortstop and catcher and, of course, pitcher. Um, he's kind of, He was kind of brought into the majors without a true position, and now last year he was put into the outfield, uh, and we're seeing him thrive a little bit more. Um, because kind of once you know where your position is going to be on the field, where you're going to go out there every day, you tend to do better. And that was the case for Michael Kadire. He earns a, a, a batting title once he, he knows he's going to be going out to the outfield every day. Um, so right. sort of using that as a comparison, of course, not apples to apples, but uh, at least uh, history to modernity, we see uh, Ian Happ kind of having the same uh, trajectory in that. Uh, a lot of his numbers are consistent with major league averages. Uh, they're getting a lot better. I mean, we're seeing agreement amongst the major projection systems, uh, basically 23 to 26 home runs, around 80 runs in RBI, perhaps 10 stolen bases at most. I mean, he's got uh, positive base running scores every year. Uh, there's upside there. So uh, I'm definitely thinking he can continue it. And if he stays at the top of the lineup, he's not really a – uh, a prototypical top of the lineup kind of guy, but he's got a huge walk rate last year. If he continues that, yeah, he'll be up top and he'll be doing well. A, I love the Michael Kadaya reference. <laughs> um, he was one of my favorite, like just plug and play guys every year. I, I would target him and just have such great position eligibility with him for, for a long time. So beautiful, beautiful reference there. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at, at Hap, I, I love the fact that he is in the leadoff spot. Obviously, he's going to get all the at-bats, you know, more at-bats throughout the whole season. So he's going to have more of an 
a chance to help you out stats wise, counting stats, everything. Um, and yeah, I mean, if he's going to keep increasing that walk rate, they're going to keep putting him on base. Maybe the steals could come. I don't know. I mean, he's still only 26, so you gotta, you gotta take what you can get and steals are kind of few and far between, uh, regardless. I mean, he's not, not a big runner, uh, but you know, he did have uh, eight eight stolen bases back in, in seventeen and eighteen. So maybe maybe he gets back into that. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I I'm a big fan of him. I've been I've been kind of pushing him up, you know, in, in every article, every podcast, every whatever I can get on about, you know, kind of sleeper guys, because I think he's really undervalued right now. He's he is starting to climb. I'm starting to notice him climb finally. Uh people are starting to pay attention. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan. I actually think there's 30 home runs in his bat potentially. Uh, that's yeah. a, you know, obviously a high projection, but I, I think it's not out of the question. He was well on pace for that last year. Um, and I get it. It's short season, but you know, the fact that he was on pace for it means it's not out of the question. Um, no, so I, I, I think other, it's definitely a potential. The other thing I was going to mention too, the, you know, the average is eh, kind of, you know, average, uh, <laughs> low, low average, <laughs> It's it's good enough, and his slugging percentage has been over 500 three out of the four years he's played in the majors. So I I agree 100 percent with the, the the power aspect of it, and and that 30 homer bat I could I could see that happening. So all right, moving on here, talk about another horrendous play of Chris Bryant. Uh, horrible 2020 had only four homers. I uh, slashed 206, 293, 351. Uh, I mean, that's just pitiful and miserable combined. Uh, you know, this is after he, he's coming off a 31 homer season in 2019, but his ADP slammed all the way down to 114. So, I mean, is he a steal at this price or are you still kind of avoiding him at this point? You, you know, I mean, he's. You know, still treated as uh, what he used to be in many ways. You know, pe- people used to love him. Pe- he was kind of considered this uh, early round fantasy pick, you know, not necessarily first, second round, but, you know, kind of somebody that you want to grab at least by round five. And you look at the, you, I mean, you look at the numbers and they're getting worse every single year. Uh, contacts, overall <clears throat> contact percentage is down to 50% last year. Uh, swing strike rate, 13%. Um, I mean, his his barrel percentage was 5.5%. I mean, do you really want that out of a power hitter? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty abysmal. Yeah, I mean, that's abysmal. Uh, he's on his fifth straight year of hard hit percentage, under 40%. Uh, that That's not stellar whatsoever. Uh, we're seeing the launch angle hanging out in the 17s. Uh, 1920, which especially if you're not hitting it hard and you're not hitting it on the barrel, those are going to end up as pop-outs. They're going to end up as fly-outs, which we saw last year uh, with the 206 batting average and four home runs in hundred, basically 150 at-bats. That's not great. Um, so I, I haven't been touching him in any format this year. Yeah. Any thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I just... Uh... I don't think he's going to be nearly as bad as last year. I think he's, I think he's better than that, but you know, I've been attacking third base earlier than him. So that's why I've been off of him. I mean, if, if I was waiting, I think he'd be a guy that I would potentially look at. 
um, especially at his ADP. Because at that point, I mean, I, I don't even really know what's going around him. I don't have the ADP up right now, but um, it's not. I'm assuming where he's going. It's you know you're not getting a whole lot, and he does have the upside of you know a 31 home run season and a you know over 100 run season before that, and you know he's been up the up there in the you know 100 RBI range before, so he's got that upside. But I just I've just been attacking third base way too early in in the leagues I've done so far for for me to to be targeting him and I kind of think that's what I'm going to keep doing cuz I don't like that range of third basemen I think they all have uh, a lot of holes in their in their bat for me to to want to roster them. So. Yeah. The the interesting thing with Bryant too is just looking, you know, solely at last year which again, hashtag #2020 whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, versus lefties he was at 286 with the average and he was terrible against righties at 184 yet he hit all four of his homers against righties so i don't know i mean he he clearly had about three almost four times as many at bats um versus righties too but i i think there's a, a bit of a bounce back coming for him i don't know if i'm buying in a hundred percent yet um but if he's fallen where he is and I need a third base. I'm not necessarily against taking the risk on him. Um, again, it would depend on who else is out there. And yeah. Jeff just put it. Jeff just put in our chat, Chapman, Edmund Hayes and Urshela. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I probably I, think about it. <laughs> it's, those yeah, are guys that I'm I, not loving, you know, maybe Matt Chapman at best. Or the rest of the the rest of those players are just kind of guys in my opinion. So, yeah. Uh those are you know, I'd probably take Brian over all of them except maybe Chapman. So okay. um all right. All right. Well new moving team. into uh the Cincinnati Reds. Uh new to the team, we have Dr. Sean Doolittle, Jeff Hoffman, and D Gordon. All right, I mean D Gordon. That's that's uh that's interesting. What's what's your take on D Gordon coming into Cincy <laughs> <know>. here? <laughs> this was a joke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got him. I've got him in a dynasty league because I inherited the team, and uh, the previous manager put him on a ridiculously long contract. Oh no! You know, but it's like great. It kill you, you know. That's like that's like the Orioles having Chris Davis. Yeah, exactly, and that—that's that, the thing, uh, you know. Not to deviate from uh, NL Central, but when you're taking over a dynasty league, you get you gotta understand like somebody's somebody might take over your team, so be be kind to them. Don't put the players <laughs> on five year contracts and ten year contracts. What the, uh, so interesting enough, Fangraphs has his name as D Strange Hyphen Gordon. I mean, that's strange in itself. I never knew that that was part of his name. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I just all right. to so, skip that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So going back to the actual uh, projected batting lineup here for the Cincinnati Reds, we have Jesse Winkler in left field uh, leading off. Uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, Joey Votto, Potentially, he's currently on the COVID list, uh, but he should slot back in at, at the three-hole. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, 
Mike Moustakis at second base in the five hole, Nick Senzel, Kyle Farmer, Tucker Barnhart. Um, and then the starting rotation, we've got Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Tyler Male, Mal, I guess, Male. I'm going to go with that. Wade <laughs> Miley uh, and Michael Lorenzen. So interesting, uh, interesting lineup of pitchers there. And then projected closers, we have a committee of Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, and uh, again, Dr. Doolittle. All got? right, jumping into the first question here. So we'll jump into that starting rotation. And, you know, the Reds aren't really projected to be a good team, so wins might be a struggle here. But Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray are going pretty early in drafts, you know, and, you know, they've got the the numbers and the strikeouts to, to back it up. But, I mean, in a wins league, uh, do you bump them down a bit in when you're drafting? because they might not get as many as some of the guys are going around them. I mean, I, I don't um, because wins are, are fluky. Yeah. Uh, I, I know if, uh, if you've been around long enough that it's kind of the mantra is that we need to get rid of wins in fantasy baseball, replace them with quality starts. And of course, quality starts can also be pretty wonky too. Um, quality starts going away too. Nobody goes yeah. six. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's like, if you have, uh, a standard roto league or a standard head to head league wins is almost guaranteed to be part of that. And, uh, you know, sure. Maybe you throw in some, uh, Yankees starters or some Dodger starters and you bump them up marginal a little bit. Um, but for me, for the most part, I mean, I, I remember back as a twins fan when our middle reliever Juan Rincon in like the mid two thousands had eight wins. Only, um, yeah, I mean wins. Moneyball reference. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not worrying about wins at all, and I am all in on Castillo. He's one of my. Uh, He's either five or six on my starting pitcher list. Uh, Sonny Gray is in the top twenty. I'm all in on them, and I don't care about wins. I, I want to see them striking out batters, which is what they do. Hundred percent agree, man. I, you can't you can't chase wins. Um, and it's funny, you can't ch- like I was just saying, you can't chase quality starts anymore either, unfortunately, except for like the top maybe 15 guys. And then after that, it's like, well, I'm hoping they'll go six, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and with even some well, of them, they might not, but whatever. Yeah. And Castillo, I mean, you're looking at over a strikeout per nine for the last two years um, and, and hovering. Well, he was still over nine in 2017 too, and and right under it in in 18. So the K's are going to be there for him. I'm not really worried about about his uh, performance and and whether or not he's going to get wins. I think he's a strong enough candidate to keep Cincy in the game if their offense can get him a few runs, um, and and then the bullpen with you know the 18 closers they have should be able to make it through three innings. You would think. Um, and then Sonny Gray is, is interesting as well, just because of, of how his career has been. I mean, this is a guy who came in as such a highly touted pitcher and it just never showed up for the longest time. Um, you know, and then finally he starts playing pretty well, you know, his first year in New York, uh, you know, full year in New York in 18, pretty solid you know 11 and 9 
pretty much followed that up about the same in, in Cincy in his first year there in 19. So um, his K rate also, since he's been in Cincy, over over nine Ks per inning, you know, or, or K over per nine. So <laughs> yeah, over 10, you know, over 11 last year. So I, I think Sonny Gray has finally found his, his groove here. Um, and he's, he's somebody that I'll be looking at. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, all right. So considering the power alone that this player has at second pace position, is Mike Moustakis actually worth his value at the ADP of, of 122? Uh, absolutely. Um, and of course, every everything I say comes with the caveat that you need to know how you're building your team. Um, so if, if you're in a roto league or head-to-head league with categories, eventually you're going to need stolen bases at some point. Oftentimes, uh, right now, second base is a haven for some of those stolen bases. Um, and if you are taking a power hitter at second base, you need to find your stolen bases somewhere else. And sort of a traditionally easy way to kind of hunt for those second base stolen bases is to find Colton Wong, Nick Madrigal, uh, somebody like that at the end of the draft. If you are drafting Mike Moustakis and putting him at second base, you're getting home runs and so which case where are you getting your stolen bases from you just have to think about that and if you've thought about that if you're somebody who started with uh ronald acuna mookie betts and then you grabbed bo bichette and sh- at shortstop in the second round uh, i have absolutely no problem with you taking mike moustakis to sit in your either your first base or your second base slot um because if you put him in second base uh the projected 30 home runs. That's something that no, basically what Ozzy Albies might be able to do. Um, but yeah. there's not a lot of, a lot of other second basemen that can come close to that. So it can give you an edge in homers, but you do have to be aware that he may hurt you in a different category. but you know, batting average too, but batting average is fluky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the reason why I like Musaka so much for the second base position is because he's got that late power. Um, because what I am finding in drafts a lot is people are going for those power speed combo guys early, but the guys that are getting pushed up the drafts it, it, exclude, you know, Tatis and, and, and Betts and, and Acuna, the, and the, the, like top first, second round guys. Those guys are elite. That's a different story, but there's some guys getting pushed up into the third, fourth round, even that, you know, have a little bit of speed, but, and because of that, they're getting pushed up, but that's, they don't have quite the power, you know, that the the rest of the, you know, the, some other guys are going to have later. And so if you're going to draft those guys and get, you know, your dozen steals or 15, 20 steals from a guy like that, getting the stock is a little later at second base is fantastic. And that's why I like him so much. Once he got the second base eligibility, I thought that helped him out so much more. But he was third base only for the longest time, I believe. Um, and then, you know, once he got second base eligibility, it just, I think it skyrocketed his value, but it never really changed. You know, the ADP didn't follow suit, it felt like. Uh, it, people just sort of ignore him. And I guess maybe it's because the, you know, the other counting stats, the runs in the RBI, I don't really follow up because of the team he's on, unfortunately. But 
you know, I think he's a great value at that at that price. So, um, yeah, Ujay. I was just going to say the the only non thirty homer projection is from Zips, and they're at twenty eight. So still, I, you're not going to find that kind of a power hitter readily available or or just hanging out on the waiver wire later on if you have injuries. So yeah, I definitely think if you can get your your other counting stats, especially the steals, earlier on, no problem taking him later. 100%. Yeah. All right. So let's move into this bullpen. We kind of alluded to it earlier. It's a bit of a, you know, a mix of guys here. It's looking like no clear guy being called out yet. But what's your thought on this bullpen and this closer situation? Is it going to be Garrett? Is it going to be Sims? Is it going to be Doolittle? Do, do we trust any of them as being targets for your draft? Uh, so. Of course, the uh, backstory of being with Rasballs, I trust no closer whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, our, that's our motto is trust no closer. Yeah. Um, do you have to sign that on the, on the contract when you sign with them? Trust no closer? Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, but I, I think awesome. <laughs> outside, outside of Roto, it's, it's – or like a, like a Roto with an inning pitch limit, uh, closers are so mercurial and they're so hard. And you can yeah. – uh, you can do like a little time capsule and look back three years, look, look back three years and think of who are the closers three years ago. It's ridiculous. You wouldn't recognize yeah. almost any of them other than basically Chapman and Jansen. Um, or, you know, Craig Kimbrell, who we're just about just made shouldn't be anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sean Doolittle. Here he is. It's like, he, he can't, he can't win the closing job with the Cincinnati Reds, a, a team that we're arguing is like, Oh yeah, they're not going to win. Um, so, I mean, as a fantasy manager, who do I draft out of that? I draft from another team. If I'm <laughs> super deep in a draft where it matters, I'm probably taking Garrett first because he's kind yeah. of the incumbent. Um, Doolittle, I might put second just because he's – I mean, he, he's not brought in to be a middle reliever. Uh, he, he's got the most experience, of course, and uh, I, I draft him super late in a deep tournament and see what happens, and when – Fab comes around. If he doesn't have the job, I cut him. And uh, Sims is, you know, it's kind of a two A two B situation. Sims kind of ends up being two B for me. And uh, you know, it it is what it is. And sometimes you can never guess those situations. And if I had the mind to guess which closers show up when, you know, I'd be Nostradamus and I'd still be wrong ninety seven percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, clo- closers suck, man. That's what, except for like the top two or three, maybe even that. But even then some of them kind of, you know, fizzled out on you in the during the season. But yeah, I, I'm with you. If if you're gonna take one late because you've waited on saves, it, it's Garrett right now. He's probably the guy and he, he look he pitched well last year, so it's it's hard to to not give him the job right away, but I do think this is going to be kind of closer by committee. Unfortunately, I do like Sims; like his stuff is good, um, but he is coming off, and you know he's he's injured right now. He hasn't really started spring training yet, so that that's it's hard to take him uh, unless it's like a super deep league and you can kind of sit on sit on some guys. But yeah, um, let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, new to the team, somebody you mentioned already, Colton Wong. Uh, possible leadoff hitter there. We got Travis Shaw, Jackie Bradley Jr., and Brad Boxberger. Sorry, <clears throat> stumbled there. Uh, lineup. 
Rasball has been loading real slow for me today. So sorry about that. Should have done this earlier. Um, yeah. So Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain, Kristen Yelich, Kesson here, uh, Travis Shaw, Jackie Bradley Jr., Orlando Arcia, Omar Navarez, and then the starting rotation, which is real good. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Jocelyn Bloom, Adrian Hauser, and Brett Anderson. So, and then obviously the, the, the closers there. I don't want to forget about them. We got Josh Hader as the closer, and then Devin Williams right there on his heels. So that's a solid one-two punch, and we'll get to that. But let's first start with Kristen Yelich. You know, we've talked about the Cubs, and they had some, you know, Baez and Chris Bryant, you know, go down, uh, have really bad 2020s. But, man, Kristen Yelich, I mean, he was like the number three pick, sometimes the number one pick in drafts last year. Oof. Uh, brutal, brutal year. Um K rate went up drastically. Batting average went down. ISO went down. Just everything that could have gone the wrong way did. Uh, are we expecting the full bounce back for him? You know, he's still going in the first round in a lot of drafts. Um, is this, are, are we expecting him to bounce back fully um, as he's getting picked, you know, 11th, 11th overall, roughly? Uh, I would take him 11th. And I'm fine with that. And I don't want to phrase it like he's the next Alex Rodriguez or, you know, prime career Pujols or prime career uh, Miggy because, you know, Yelich has two premier years under his belt. And that's, that's great. I mean, I wish I had two premier years in my life. Under my belt. <laughs> we're seeing and a lot more money. Yeah. A lot more yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing, you know, 2020 was a disaster for a ton of people. Is it necessarily reflective of his career? No, you can see the just like you said, Joe, the numbers are wonky. Uh, 10% increase in his K percentage, uh, nearly a hundred point, I should say 10% drop in his ISO, uh, massive drop in his BABIP. He's, he's a guy who has ridiculously high BABIP because he knows how to hit and he knows where to place the ball. It's not one of those things where he just gets lucky year after year. He knows how to hit, and that's why he was able to have a 336, 373, 355 BABIP, and then we have yeah. him seeing, you know, nearly 330 average. I mean, that's like Tony Gwynn levels. Um, you know, Adding steals onto that, uh, we look at the peripherals we see in 2020. He's still... 12% barrel rate, roughly in line with his career average, 55% hard hits, actually the maximum of his career average. Uh, there is good stuff going on right there, and I'm happy to take him, uh, even with the worst Brewers lineup at pick 11. And if you know, it might be one of those situations where he has 40 home runs and 60 RBI, who knows? But if it happens, it happens, but I think he's a good player and I think we can trust him. Yeah, I, I think it's it's too hard to forget and and just overlook what he has done when he's been so good. Um you know, you chalk up what it was, let it go, and he, he's he's a value now, in my opinion, where he's going, you know, late first round, early second. Still pretty much where he should be going in my opinion. Um, but if I'm at the end of the first and and he's just continuing to fall, uh, I'm all over it. So moving on here to Keston Hiora. Um, I mean, he had a great rookie campaign, 
but he did kind of disappoint last year, which seems to be the going theme with all the questions I have here. <laughs> uh, like Yelich, his batting average dropped, his K rate went up, his ISO went down. I mean, what are your thoughts on a bounce back this year for, for Hiora? Yeah, you know, small sample size, and you can insert your own joke there. But, I mean, if we put in our combined 2019 home runs, he had 38 home runs between AAA and Major League Baseball. I mean, that's that's all you could ever ask for. I mean, the guy's yeah. 24 years old. Uh, he knocked. He did 13 home runs last year. Crummy batting average, which, again, batting average is wonky, capital key. Um 34% K rate, which is not in line whatsoever with his historical average. Uh, at 24 years old, he's young for being in the league. And at second base, it, I mean, that's that's premier. Do I get thrilled over him this year, say in a roto or head-to-head? You know, it, it's, it's very hesitant. I see the projections down here and everybody, all the big ones are putting him 28 to 30 home runs. 10 plus steals, 80, you know, 80 runs, 80 RBI. That that's pretty aggressive given how bad he is and especially how mercurial 24 year olds can be. Uh, if you're dynasty, yeah, you grab that and you hold on to it and you do sign it to that bad five-year contract that I told you just not to do a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but I, I like Keston Hira in the long run and I'm pretty okay with him uh, this year. Yeah, I, I like Hero's upside. Um, you know, I I had him in a dynasty league that uh, that I'm actually no longer in. I had to orphan that team, but um, he was he was like the guy that I went after just because of all of those really nice stats he had in in the minors. So I'm looking for him to 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 keep going with it. You know, obviously his K percentage since he's been in the majors has been over thirty. Um, you know, definitely up around 35 last year. So if he can take that back down to where he was in the minors, you know, in those mid mid to low twenties, um, you know, I, I think that just screams for more opportunity for him to to get on base and and just give you those counting stats that that you like. I don't know if I see the homer potential as much as these projections. That's that's pretty bold. Um. Maybe not this year, but I think he's got the ability to, to get there. I just don't see it this year. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on on the the thing that worries me the most. Worries me the most is the K rate uh, for him, and if he can't drop that, it's going to start hurting him in the long run. But you know, he he's still going what top six second baseman right now. Uh, I, I I have a tough time grabbing him there for some reason and i've been wrong before i could easily be wrong again i just have a real tough time doing that but let's jump into this bullpen and obviously i mean this is arguably the the best one-two punch out of the bullpen that there is in the majors we got josh Hader and devin williams you know, Hater Hater did regress a bit last season, but still, you know, saved thirteen out of fifteen, I think, or thirteen out of sixteen. Um, but Williams, I mean, straight up looked untouchable. I mean, at ERA under one, <laughs> it's just sick. Um, what's your thoughts on these two for the twenty twenty one season? Like, you know, 
and kind of you know what I'm wondering about is like, does Hater keep this job? Yeah, so I mean, Hater I think is the second, maybe third reliever going off the board in, in most drafts. First, still comes <laughs> first. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it all it all depends. Somewhere between one and three, people trust him, uh, which is kind of weird, you know, given the fact that you know he's been basically the the main closer for the the Brewers, which aren't like a stellar team. Uh, he's only been the main closer for one year. Uh, 37 saves in 2019, you know, main closer last year, I should say 2020. We never really count 2020. Um, (laughs) Again, saves you cannot necessarily predict. Um, Right. It's, it's really hard. And many, uh, many prediction systems don't actually predict saves because I I know at least coming from Rasball, our projectionist to use a completely inaccurate word, Rudy uh, with steamer, (laughs) Steamer doesn't project saves. Yeah. It's Fangraph's depth charts that predicts saves. That's why you see all of them having 25. The bat has zero saves. Right. So we're, we're, we're in this realm that there's actually market inefficiency because nobody knows what Josh Hader will actually do. It's basically yeah. sort of giving it up to the inaccurate science of ADP and people just kind of guessing what's going on. Um, we know that Josh Hader had uh, some personal problems. He seems to believe that not everybody was created equal, and he dealt with that a little bit last year. He seemed to come out with it better than some other people, uh, but it did seem to stress him out, especially as he took the mound. Uh, Devin Williams, meanwhile, you know, he became the darling of Pitching Ninja. We're watching his pitches just they're, they're nuts. They're, they're, you know, it, it's kind of like watching a Marvel movie. Just, you know, you almost believe that there's CGI going on because they shouldn't be doing uh, what they're doing. Uh, is he the real thing? I mean, he's got 20, 40, 40 innings, 43 innings at the, no, 40 innings at the major league level. Um, that is small sample size basically yeah. as it gets. Um, can he maintain it? Hopefully, if he turns out to be the next Dennis Eckersley, Lee Smith, great. Uh, In that case, greatness wins out and shows that it's going to be the thing. Uh, But until then, we all know that there's there's a hierarchy in the bullpen, and we know that Josh Hader at least has demonstrated the closer mentality for a while. He's going to keep it unless he gives a significant reason to lose it. Uh, so again, I come from a place where we don't draft, <laughs> we don't draft Josh Hader in Razzball. No, <laughs> but I mean, can, can I fully full throatedly recommend him given, uh, people like Aroldis Chapman or Kenley Jansen? I, I know there's so many marks against Kenley Jansen, but, uh, the guys held on to the closer position for so long. You know, we look at Josh Hader, you know, technically one and a half full years, eh, you know, shrugging emoji. Yeah, Hater is an interesting case for me. Uh, I have owned him in in redraft leagues, and I have you know gone after him early because I wanted that lockdown. You know, you know this is the guy. There's there's not as many of them around anymore. Um, you know, you you pretty much nailed it there, Blair, with Jansen and and Chapman uh, and Kimbrel was uh, you know in an Atlanta jersey maybe um hater just I I think he was just overworked too early 
I mean, they they had no issues throwing him out there for two innings every other day, it seemed yeah. like, you know, the one year. And it's just like, wow, okay. I mean, and it's great in a points league, especially when I'm getting, <laughs> you know, three outs or three points per, uh, I'm in a per points inning. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm all over this. And then it's like, well, wait, he hasn't pitched in like three days. What the hell's going on? Oh, well, he, he finally blew a save. Oh, now they're putting this other person. And it's just... I think that they they overworked him um, personally, and and Williams is electric. So I don't disagree. I think it could could easily, you know, change hands and then come back to Hater and then change hands again and then come back to him. So I don't. I think they just got to decide what they want to do. If they want him to be the closer, leave him in your ninth inning. Don't mess with his head and his arm anymore. Just make him the closer and stick with it. Or if you're going to make him a two-inning guy, throw him in in the seventh. I mean, you have before. So, you know, but just just pull him before shit just gets too bad. Um, and, can't have a lot uh, Can't have a lot more of these, like, 35, 40-pitch outings where no. and then try to have him go out two days later and do the same thing. It's just, yeah, it was a lot. I agree. Yeah, I, I, especially in a weekly league. I mean, that just f's you the entire week. Uh, if on a Monday he goes in and is like, "Oh, well, we're we're gonna put him in for two innings," he just and then he's not gonna pitch again, again. Saturday. Until, yeah, <laughs> like great, thanks, thanks for uh, the innings points, but you gave up a homer on Saturday and took the the, the loss. Yeah, it just cancels itself out. So anyway, let's move on. Um, Pittsburgh. Pirates, we got the the yellow helmet here over uh, my my co-host's shoulder. (laughs) Um, New to the team. Well, I'd I'd old school Brewers too, by the way. Oh, nice. Yeah, Robin (laughs) Yount Brewers hat right there. Got got, Um, got the got the yellow Pirates. I got the black one too, but this one's cooler. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So new to the team. I mean, we we gotta just stop right here and talk about Todd the Bod Frazier uh, for, for a few minutes. No, <laughs> we don't. We don't. I love Todd Frazier. Don't. I wrote down one name and went, "No, nah, I'm done." Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing to talk about here. <laughs> Frazier and his prime cool name, I guess, <laughs> with the Cincy team was was my dude. Like I was all over Todd Frazier. Like. I don't know. I, I there's so many different references I could make that I won't because this is a family show. Uh, or so I've been no, told. No, it is not. Um, <laughs> Here, let me or drink so my beer. I've been told. Uh, all right, so let's just let's just jump into the lineup here. Uh, if I can actually get it to come up, okay. Yeah, all right, we well, remember bring these up earlier. I yeah, I <laughs> it's had it slow for some sitting reason. there, and I was like, "Great, never mind." Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, we'll come back to that. Uh, Key Brian Hayes basically is the lone star in this lineup. So, just what do you think we can expect from him in 2021? Uh, he's only had 95 plate appearances, albeit they were. Very good plate appearances in the majors, but his ADP is sitting at 142. What are your thoughts on Hayes? Well, I, I see Jeff put in, in uh, the chat that Trevor Cahill is coming to the Pirates, and that, that changes everything. I, oh, man. Whoa. Hold on. Let's go back to new to the team. We now have a talking point. I cool myself down, man. That's, that's hot news. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Nope, uh, still don't care. Years. Can we just call them <laughs> TNT at this point? Because they're going to blow up with Todd and Trevor. I, I mean, oh, no. Which way are they going to blow up, though? Uh, My implode. Keep Brian Hayes. Anyway. <laughs> <Your> thoughts. <laughs> I, I mean, I think Brian Hayes takes him probably to the World Series and then to the Olympics, and uh, nice. there's, there's fireworks and explosions after that. Um, because with Trevor Cahill on the roster, it's it's done. Um, but you know, it's it, <laughs> gotta I, I win a World it, Baseball it, Classic yeah. with with the Pirates. Okay, well, <laughs> didn't put didn't didn't Cahill put the the john in tommy john i mean why is this breaking news jeff it's not he's one of us in general and us i guess I mean, right. I've, I've i've seen key brian hayes go earlier than that and it's ridiculous oh the, yeah uh, the depth at third base uh i mean just uh. to, <laughs> just to give you uh uh an example from like Rad Slam. I drafted Raphael Devers in the third, actually the second of Rad Slam. It's a 12 team because uh, I love Devers and I wasn't going to let him go. And then Nolan Arredondo, Arenado, uh, <laughs> Stolenado from uh, the Rockies to the Cardinals. I got him in the fifth. And so I was full up on my, of course, 3B and corner infield spots. And I started looking down the draft list, and third base is deep this year. And our uh, our projectionist, quote unquote, Rudy Gamble, was like, "Why did Why did you go for Arenado? You know, there's so many good third basemen out there, um, and a lot of people are targeting Key Brian Hayes uh, in sort of what we talked about before the Chapman, Edmund, uh, Ursula tier. Um, of course, are the stonks high? Is he GameStop? Sure. Uh, can you make a profit off of Key Brian Hayes right now? Absolutely. Uh, is the sample size as small as it gets? Man, I mean, he's got 480 at bats in AAA and not even 100 bats in the minors. He's still a prospect. If you're in a dynasty, he's still a rookie. Basically, yeah. every single format. Um, you know, hey, that's valuable if, if you're in a dynasty or something that considers that rookie. Absolutely. If you are in a redraft, I think you're looking at a lot of hype when you look down at his consensus rankings, uh, 15 home mm-hmm. runs, 70 runs in RBI, a handful of stolen bases. Uh, there's a lot of players that will give you that. Um, of course, can we, we look at his minor league career, uh, hitting 263 in 2016, 278 in 2017, 293 in 2018, you know, uh, Two of these, I should say one year, 2018 is exceptional in uh, weighted runs created plus. There's nothing that like jumps off the page that this is the next Christian Yelich or next Nolan Arenado, anything like that. He's going to be very good. We're going to roster him. We're going to enjoy him from a fantasy and a real life standpoint for a long time. But you do not need to overpay for him at a Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. Tommy Evan price. I 100% agree. I- I don't know. I you said third base is pretty deep. I I get it. Like from a, I feel like from like a like a power standpoint, it's pretty deep. But like as an overall player standpoint, like it pretty much drops off after like 
Rendon, and, and if you want to include like Bregman and Arenado in there, just because you know they've done it before. But like, I'm kind of afraid of them a little bit. I'd much rather grab the Ramirez, the Machado, the Devers, Lemay Hughes, and 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 hope that you know, and rely on them the whole year than the rest of the guys. And then once you get past like yeah, Arenado, like man, I'm kind of scared with third base. Like a lot of these guys are just sort of iffy. And and honestly, like a lot of these guys at third base, like have multiple position eligibility. Like I'd rather have them play those positions and snag one of these top tier third basemen. That's the way I've been playing it. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I hundred percent agree with with Hayes. I, I have him ranked a, a little bit, a lot lower. It feels like than most people, you know, and especially where he's being drafted. Like I, I mean, I've done a, even industry drafts, you know, TGFBI and and Raslam. I've seen Hayes go off the board, and I'm like, whoa, I, I was looking like five rounds later for him, and he's just flying off the board. Like McNeil's another one of those guys that people are just like in love with this guy. He went in the third round in TGFBI, and everybody was like, "Man, I thought I liked McNeil," <laughs> you know. Like, but Hayes is sort of up there too, you know, with with that sort of love. Like, people, somebody will reach for him in your draft. So, if you're that guy, good luck. Uh, but if you're not that guy you're and you draft. like Hayes, you're not gonna get him. But and and I don't think it's a big deal if you don't, because you're right. He's just a guy, in my opinion. Like fifteen and 10, 15 and nine. Yeah, whatever. I mean, so you you can get that out of the multi eligible position eligible Todd Frazier. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but uh, I I I do have the lineup up, so let me just run through that real oh, quick. Yeah, we we, we got that. Frazier and Hayes. We got Colin Moran, uh, Brian Reynolds in cleanup. Greg Gregory Polanco, uh, Anthony Alford, who's an interesting uh, interesting player in my mind. Uh, Jacob Stallings, Kevin Newman, and then pitching, we've got Steven Brault, uh, Chad Cool, Cull, Tyler Anderson, Mitch Keller, and Trevor TJ Cahill. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, floor is yours. <laughs> Richard Rodriguez. Great 2020. Not a lot of save to show show for it, unfortunately, and probably not a bunch this year either. But you know, 13 over 13k per nine. Uh, you know, below three ERA. FIP and XFIP are right there with that. You know, walk rate was below two. Um, again, led to four saves. Uh, I mean, is he a is he a closer that you would consider? You know, taking a late chance on in drafts. I mean, he's going in like the mid 200 ADP range. I mean, somebody the back end of your draft is going like, I need possible saves click. Yeah. If, uh, if you are in a 12 team Roto 12 team head to head categories, absolutely. Uh, in the draft, he's, he's kind of there with the Daniel Bards, you know, the Rockies closer, you know, his quote unquote closer, right. Uh, uh, teams that, I mean, I, I, I remember back to, uh, I was going to say when the Tigers were bad, the Detroit Tigers were bad. Uh, they were monumentally bad like a year and two years ago. Um, so I'm talking like 10 years ago when they had uh, Todd Jones, like the Tigers before Miggy came into town were monumentally bad. And they had basically this mustachioed closer, Todd Jones. 
that was not a great pitcher, but he racked up the saves because he had the opportunity and there was no competition. Uh, we're kind of looking at that too. I mean, I'm looking at the, the Pirates bullpen. I mean, there's nobody. Nobody's going to compete. And if they do compete, they're going to compete in like, you know, a, a week time span because they're going to, they're going to walk seven batters and they're going to get knocked around. And the Pirates, the Pirates, they're, they're not competing this year. They're going to need somebody that they can at least, you know, stonks to the moon. Uh, if they can get Richard Rodriguez to notch some saves under his belt and look good and trade him off for something else, yeah. of course, they're going to do that. Yeah, that's yeah, the he, one worry I have with him is the fact that he could get traded midseason. But I think in a in a in a year long roto league, you know, getting even saves as early is you know as few as he may get, it matters. And you know, you brought up I I brought it up too. Like he's on a bad team. You know what though? That the bad team's still gonna win what 60, 70 games. The bad teams win the games by a run or two, so there's all those save chances. Sometimes those, sometimes the Dodgers closers, you know, they're gonna win, you know, fifty, sixty of their games by four or five runs. So like, maybe not as many save opportunities for those teams, but uh, you know, you can find good closers for saves on bad teams just because they're gonna be in more close games too. So that's something to think about. Yeah, and that's 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 where you kind of get away from the ADT ADT. That's a, a security <laughs> ADP <laughs> hype because uh, closers uh, can be found late, and especially on those bad teams because uh, y- you can always try and get your uh, James Karinchak. And what happens if Nick Nick Wickran gets the closer role there? Suddenly you're without a closer, and hey, look who's on the wire, right? Rodriguez. And suddenly you pick him up. Uh, I mean, last year, Trevor Rosenthal, he didn't start as, as the closer, and he became a closer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there's at least 15 guys that don't start as a closer that will end as a closer every year. So Probably more. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, there, there's not really else anything else to say on, on <laughs> Rich Rod. So uh, we'll just go into the fact that Clearly, this team is void of talent. Um, <laughs> I mean, is there is there basically one, maybe two prospects that you like that could potentially come up this season to make some noise? Uh, yeah, you know, you, you prepped me for that, and I was like, I don't even know if I can find this season. Two players <laughs> that I... Okay, 2023. If it is where, nobody, it's where, a totally perfectly acceptable answer, dude. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have uh, rostered in Dynasty Leagues. One, of course, is the uh, most fabulously named Travis Swagger. Yes, yep. so do I. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're looking at 2019, uh, high A ball, 10 home runs, 23 stolen bases, 120 uh, weighted runs created plus. I mean, that's that's looking nice. He's 23 years old, so he's about yeah uh, average for that s- station. So, I mean... Fangraphs has him as a 50 prospect. He's got to he's got to move quick. Uh, the other person that I have stand for a long time, probably too long, is Will Craig. Uh, Will Craig did get his mm. cup of coffee with four plate appearances last year. <laughs> um, 2019, he had 23 home runs in Triple A, uh, 70 runs, 80 RBI, rounding up pretty bland as far as it goes. Uh, he's 
the Pirates literally have, I mean, outside of Key Brian Hayes and maybe Brian Reynolds and, of course, Todd the Bod, not a lot. So if we can see Will Craig come up third of the year, hey, that's cool. You can roster him at the end. Cheap power, Yoshi Suzuko, uh, same concept, except he doesn't walk very much. <laughs> Instead of three true outcomes, it's two true outcomes, home run, strikeout. Speaking of Todd's, and we've we've talked to the Bod and Jones now. I mean, is, <laughs> is isn't Todd Jones basically the prototypical person that SNL's drunk uncle was was made after? I mean, that's what I think of when I <laughs> yes. think of Todd Jones. Just this, <laughs> you know, he's not going to run <laughs> out there from the bullpen because he just doesn't run. I, he he's going to saunter his way out there. Flex in his stash, and and you know, and his stash is pretty similar to the one on your your Super Troopers beer can from earlier. So hell yeah, I I do remember I do remember <laughs> Mr. Jones and uh, and his yes. changes to all of picture, his glory the whole I guess. show. And Eric Cole touching his cap for the pine tar, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. just cap. just a little bit. My, Michael <laughs> Michael Pineda learned from the best. Uh, what can I say? <laughs> All right, let's finish oh, yeah. up here with the St. Louis Cardinals making probably the biggest splash of the offseason and new to the team, Nolan Arenado. I mean, this is it. This is all we got to talk about. It's the only addition, but it's the biggest addition of the entire offseason. How does Arenado perform now that he's not in Colorado and people were, you know, sort of down on him after last season in the first place? Like, he his ADP is rounds, not round, rounds lower than it has been in like what three years. I mean, I feel like this is a massive steal in drafts, but it's just I'm not grabbing him either for some reason because I just seem to be grabbing a third baseman before he goes. But what's your thoughts on Arenado now that he's in St. Louis? Yeah, so Arenado is going to be one of those volatile players that either makes or breaks your team. Yeah. And that's uh, that that that's the headline right there. Uh, when Arenado got traded, the internal discussion at Rasball was uh, Rudy put it into his projections, and it looked remarkably similar to Austin Riley of Atlanta, who's going you know 150 to 200 picks later. Wow. Uh, Gray's got him still as his number 27 overall player. Like massive, massive difference. Yeah, make or break your team. Um, so when I, in Razzlam, saw him going to round five, I see uh, basically a, a batter that knows how to make contact. Um, I mean, we're seeing outside of 2020, uh, Babbitt's above 300 for the past three years, batting average around 300, uh, slugging percentages above 560. I mean, huge. The guy knows how to make contact. He doesn't strike out. Even last year, 2020, when he had a down year, 10% K rate. I mean, who has a 10% K rate? <laughs> There's a phenomenal hitter. I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't. Absolutely phenomenal hitter. The guy knows how to hit. 2020 was an aberration. St. Louis is not the greatest hitter's ballpark. And we saw kind of what it did to Paul Goldschmidt. It's not great. Um, but 
At the same time, I'm taking him as a upside third baseman. I took him in Raslam industry. And again, I'm the guy who wrote the quote unquote how to draft hitters in Raslam article. And I took him in the fifth round. I am confident enough for even the most casual 12 team, 10 team, 8 team fantasy baseball player that you should trust Nolan Arenado. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, his his stats are there. Uh, I get it. He played in Colorado. He's, you know, he's got that the, the air up there, you know, factor. No, the guy can hit the ball. I mean, he's a good player regardless. Um, you know, if you just look at his splits alone, okay, yeah, well, his home splits over his career, definitely a much better average. But, eh, I mean, it's it's just he still can match the ball. You know, his homers are still there versus home and away. Doesn't, you know, it's, it's not a huge drop off there. Um, the runs not are still most there. Colorado hitters. No, you're right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, exactly. It's like if, if you can leave Colorado and still mash, you know, nearly a hundred homers. Okay. Well, that's not, that's not too terrible to, to follow up with when you have 130 plus, in Colorado. Um, I mean, the stats are there. I, I definitely like Arenado. I probably would be looking at him around that five, six time frame. Um, if he's not grabbed, I mean, some of my leagues, I could, I could see people just going after the name value and not necessarily paying attention to last year and just going after it. But if he's still there, I don't have a problem taking him at all. Yeah, I've got him up at 44 overall, so I'm, I'm a little higher than than, than some. But uh, yeah, there, there's also a ton of people, you know, that got him up at you know in the high teens, 20s, and 30s. So you know, I'm I, actually now that I look at it on Fancy Pros, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle. But uh, yeah, he, he's a guy that I'm I'm pretty interested in. Uh, if I don't grab one of those, you know, top three or four guys, it's just a guy who I can count on for at least power, you know, you're not going to get any steals from him, but um, let's jump over to this lineup here. And we've got Tommy Edmond right now projected to be number one overall, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Paul DeJong, Dylan Carlson, Yadier Molina, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. And then uh, the starting rotation, we got Jack Flaherty, uh, Quang Hun J- Kim, uh, Adam Rainwright, Carlos Martinez, and then uh, Daniel Ponce de Leon. That's a mouthful. If I can steal AJ's intro thing there. Huh? So, yeah. First question here. Great is, explorer. Uh, Great explorer. <laughs> as uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Look, he's not the MVP candidate, you know, we've had years ago. But, you know. Even when he was an MVP candidate, he was still a good, solid fantasy producer. Last year was not that guy. He dropped like a rock. Um, I mean, now that he's got a little bit of extra lineup protection with Arenado looking like he's going to bat behind him, are we expecting a bounce-back season from from Goldschmidt? I mean... The short answer, I think he's going to be just fine. Um, we're probably looking at a player 
and I, I don't mean to sell this too much because I've already talked him up. Miguel Cabrera uh, <laughs> was just a very good, consistent player overall. He wasn't always mm-hmm. the number one player, but you knew what you were getting with him. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't remember this until I was doing an off-season article on Robbie Ray, uh, who used to be with the Arizona Diamondbacks, oh. and is, you know, after a couple trades, is now in the uh, one trade is actually with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Robbie Ray back in 2017 was hit in the head with a line drive, and I was like, oh, I, I looked at his Fangraphs statements, and uh, he was actually like in the top 30 of WAR for uh, a three-year period and i looked at the diamondbacks his team at that time and it was loaded uh paul goldschmidt when he he was with the diamondbacks was hitting in a nice well-built lineup this is the time when zach ranke was there patrick corbin was there Uh, at one time jd martinez was in the diamondbacks lineup Uh, goldschmidt was hitting those first round uh, first base fantasy returns with a loaded lineup. The Cardinals weren't exactly, you know, the, the, the 2017, 2018 uh, Diamondbacks lineup. And so when he kind of came over, there's a fair amount of younger players. I mean, there there's some you know, tumult. A couple uh, players had moved around. You know, of course, we're talking about different starting rotations. Um and so Goldschmidt comes in in 2019. Uh, we can see he's got 34 home runs, 682 plate appearance, uh, 260 batting average. Again, batting average is wonky, but below career average. Uh, and we see last year in pretty unimpressive, six home runs and 231 plate appearances. But we, we're seeing the, the walk rate increase up to 16, which is median with his career average. Lowest K percentage of his career uh, ISO not great, you know, lowest of his career, but still overall a productive offensive batter mm-hmm. talking about a guy who knows how to hit. He's 33. You know, again, I'm in the Minnesota market. Nelson Cruz is our savior. Paul Goldschmidt <laughs> and very well hold on to yeah. uh, hitting some dongs for the next 10 years um, and fill out that contract. Am I taking him anywhere near his previous value? No, 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 no. Um, but a lot, a lot of people looking at him in the 100s to 150 range. Are you, especially if you're in roto, 12 team leagues, stuff like that? I think he returns the value. If you're in a tournament, he's much more floor play. I think we've seen his prime, and I think he's going to kind of sit around his projections of sort of that 23 to 28 home runs uh, for a couple of years now. Hopefully, if Arenado comes in, gives him a little boost, things get back to normal. We can see sort of a Nelson Cruz-style late career resurgence where a couple of years just don't mean anything, and they're back to back to making dongs. Yeah, Paul's the dongs. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I Goldschmidt, like Todd the Bot, is another baseball man crush of mine for many years. Um, and I, I mean, I was all over grabbing him well, and in, in more ways than one, but, uh, <laughs> it just, I, I, I still went after him when he came to St. Louis because I just didn't care. I was like, you know what? It, it's my dude. I'm, I'm going after him. I like where he's at. I'm going to make it happen. And he just didn't 
follow through and I was very disappointed and, and, you know, it, it was what it was, but again, the, the age is, is creeping up and, and we talked about Arenado, you know, hopefully not turning into Paul Goldschmidt. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he's almost four years younger, so he's still in more of his prime. I feel like than than Goldschmidt when he arrived there. Um, but they're, they're both similar hitters uh, in the fact that they're, they're valuable and, and you just got to play to what they are now. Um, so I, I, I still like Goldie. I mean, he's, he's not in, like you said, the, the best lineup as it is from where he was coming from. I mean, that lineup was ridiculous that he had around him. You know, you, you come to a, a different stadium and, uh, not as much of a hitter's ballpark and not as many hitters around you. Yeah. Shit's going to go downhill for you a little bit, but I, I, I still like. Them. So moving on, I think I've uh, gushed enough about the Goldie <laughs> Jack Flaherty uh, pretty much had an up and down season last year. All right. Finally, I get somebody to talk about who had some, but of an up season, uh, <laughs> mixed good with bad starts. You know, two of his last five starts were were just garbage, though. You know, three innings pitched, or yeah, three innings pitched in nine earned runs, three earned runs, and two and two thirds. I mean, it's just that's not good. That's not that's not helping your teams at all. Uh, his previous two seasons were pretty great, though. So can we chalk up last year to the hashtag 2020 crowd or is there some actual concern here with Flaherty? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm so happy when I loaded up your discussion points list that you had Flaherty here because he is my uh, dark horse candidate for fantasy starting pitcher one of 2020. Wow. Okay. I don't think you know, I'm not putting him the the majority chance. I'm putting the majority chance on Aaron Nola, median chance you Darvish, but I think the value chance at being SP one is Jack Flaherty. Uh, when you look at particularly last year, uh, when you sort by the expected FIP, which is again not 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 necessarily the accurate of performance. You know, it, it's basically minus home runs. Um, we see. Jack Flaherty has the biggest discrepancy between his expected fielding independent pitching and his actual ERA. His expected fielding FIP three four two, ERA four nine one. That's a run and a half. The next closest was Tyler Glasnow, uh, who had a one point two five difference between his expected FIP and ERA. Uh, and then a lot of other pitchers were pretty close. Um, so we're seeing a massive amount of uh, poor luck. Uh, when you look at his launch angle, um, particularly, I uh, believe, you know, I've written a lot, a lot of pitchers. I, I'm the pitcher guy at Rasball, so if all things bleed together. Uh, his launch angle, 9.3% uh, last year, uh, yet he had uh, 1.34 home runs per nine. It was ridiculously more than his nearest uh, launch angle uh, comps. We're basically seeing a low uh, barrel percentage, 6.9%, way lower than uh, Shane Bieber. Hard hit percent, 314 last year. 
in, in this bad year where he nearly had a five ERA, he had a 31.4 hard hit percentage. That's 15% lower than Shane Bieber. That is hmm. nuts. Is ridiculous. Um, the guy maintained uh, for the third straight year a 10 point you know X K per nine. He had 10.93. It was actually the highest of his career. Uh, and as he pointed out, AJ, he had that three inning pitch, nine earned run massacre against the yeah. Milwaukee Brewers, who had just been no hit by Alec Mills. And I kid you not, most, <laughs> most any of why. us would go up there and throw nearly as hard as Alec Mills. And that is not hyperbole. The guy has a 65 mile per hour curveball. He Malik Mills somehow no hit the Brewers, and I think for some reason Jack Flaherty didn't have his stuff on, and he was doing bad against the Brewers, and they left him in to sort of like make a point. Several <laughs> times to the media that deal with it. Just <laughs> didn't feel it last year. I am full on a hundred percent by Jack Flaherty. Do not be afraid. Stonks to the moon. Mad money. Go for it. Yeah, I like Flaherty a lot. You got you got to realize that some of the like, especially with that nine inning game, like or nine run game, like that was such an outlier. If you get rid of that, his ERA drops dramatically. Um, but you know, I I see people trying to avoid him. I've got him around SB, I think ten on my list right now. But I could easily slide him up a, a couple. Of, like, you know, I just use I use a lot of projections to to build my rankings. Um, that's just kind of where he fell. Uh, but I, you know, I could easily put him against up up in front of like Castillo and Bueller and things like that. But that's where he falls behind right now. Uh, I, I I like him a lot, and if I get him right in that range, he's kind of like that end of the second tier that I love, and then it kind of like just falls from there. And I'm kind of like, I'll take you know, if I get my set my first my second pitcher my SP one down below, they're all kind of the same in that next group. But he's that he's that end. Right now, the end of the second tier for me that that I that I like a lot. So, uh, big fan of his. Uh, last question here, and just more just so because I've seen him get drafted. In my opinion, way higher than I think he should. But Tommy Edmond, the eligibility I think is just carrying his value way higher than it should. Get it second base, third base, shortstop, outfield, depending on what league you're in. He's got a mix of those four. I mean, 141 ADP, I get it. Like, that's sort of late, but I don't know. You need to, if you believe in him, you need to sell me on Tommy Edmond, but I'm not a believer in this guy. I think he's just a dude. Like, he's just, I can get somebody like him in round 20 ish. Yeah, I mean, so it all depends on uh, your type of build. And, you know, we're seeing multi-position eligibility like Todd the Bod. And <laughs> if you're looking for somebody who can get steals, sure, Tommy Edmund can get steals. We see huge variation year on year of what he does do, though, kind of. I mean, uh, 2018 combined, I should say, 30 steals, 27 uh, 2019, or I can do math better, 24 in 2019, <laughs> and two in 2020 in 227 plate appearances. Uh, you know, 250 batting average, so what? He was uh, on base you know, 50 times, two stolen bases. That That's not thrilling. Uh, negative, uh, I should say, uh, negative 0.3 base running uh, runs scored. 
He's not running necessarily smart last year. If you're one of those, I mean, I should say we see we see all the projections, you know, 10-ish, 13-ish home runs and 13-ish stolen bases. That's like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, baseball season is, what, 25, 26 weeks long? That's one stolen base every two weeks, maybe? Yeah. That's not thrilling. That's not going to really change the needle in a roto or head-to-head categories, especially nope. uh, at third base or, you know, if you roster him at second base. I mean, Nick Madrigal, in theory, should be stealing twice that much. Um, Maybe it's more. Not, <laughs> it's not exciting. It's a desperation move to balance out at the end of uh, of a roster building. Um and I think you're missing out on some other great options. And uh, it's, it's sort of one of those things that if if you overbuilt perhaps in you know low average, high power corners, you take Edmund to put at a weird position at the end of the draft and hope that he steals a bunch of bases and you YOLO it. Yeah. I, he has gone way earlier than the end of my draft in every single league. Um, I'll tell you, granted, it's a best ball league, and, and so I get the position flexibility in that one for Rasslam, which which obviously you all you guys run. Um, I get the position eligibility and flexibility there in Rasslam. It's a little bit different, so that, that helps tremendously. He went 9.1. No. 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 Like there's so many guys after him that are going to score twice as many points as Tommy Edmund. Like no way. I took Ian Hap after Edmund. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Bye. Like no chance. Um I, like I I kind of bought into the hype of Edmund last year and I think I took him took him in Rasslam. Uh it I don't know if it was 9, ninth round, but um I quickly learned that he's just a guy you know, in fantasy, like he's just your average player who just happens to have four position eligibilities so that helps him. But it's, it's not, it's not super useful when, when it comes to the, trying to set a lineup, like he's not really helping you anywhere. He's not hurting you anywhere, but he's not helping you. Um, yeah, and, and that's the thing. If you're, if you're in a points league, uh, we, we have a secret Raz slam, uh, spreadsheet and i can tell you right now tommy edmund is not above his adp is lower than adp yeah um so if you're in a points league it is not an advantage to no. take him early um it is a disadvantage um and if you're in roto you again just kind of as i previously said you're you're yellowing yeah i totally agree Things that Tommy Edmond does have that Todd the Bod does not. Uh, <laughs> a couple more positions of eligibility, uh, but things that he does not have, a 2015 Home Run Derby Championship in his home ballpark. So, Alrighty. sorry, Edmond, you're out. And uh, AJ just proved that he's a man crush once again. It's Todd the Bod. All right, so <laughs> let's let's finish off here. He's Todd the Bod. <laughs> let's finish off here, Blair, with uh, our standings prediction for the NL Central, and we'll let you go first, man. What you got? Oh man, I didn't even see this on the sheet. Oh, but... I'm sorry. I thought yeah. I thought I put it on there. <clears throat> I mean, like, oh, crap. We got to do this again. <laughs> Can any of the any of the teams even finish above 500? Uh, probably It'll be close. Right? It will be close. <laughs> uh, 
They're all I mean, going to so, just tie. Yeah. <laughs> no, they won't. The Pirates <laughs> and the Reds will not tie anybody. <laughs> I mean, so so I live in Brewers country, but I consider myself a Twins fan because um, I grew up. I grew up in Minneapolis. Um, oh. but I, I'm over here across the border in Wisconsin, and technically a Brewers slash Packers, uh, you know, infidel. And uh, <laughs> infidel. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm going to give, uh, of course, Pirates at the absolute bottom that that's a absolute gimme i'm gonna work my way up that's a gimme uh pirates at the bottom uh i i don't think the cubs really have enough to sustain uh, a, a long-term stretch i i think they're gonna be good on paper but not great in real life uh, i'm gonna hmm. sort of put them fourth i'm gonna put the reds third brewers of course christian yelich uh resurgence power uh, second, and then Cardinals are going to be first. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's flashing his Cardinals shirt. You guys can't see that. <laughs> I'm, I'm... Poppy in here, Jeff. Flash it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there it is. <laughs> All right, Pop. <laughs> Adrian, what uh, you got? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I mean, there's nothing I like here. Um, no, no, it's not. It's cards not like it's just projections for yeah, standings. I would say <laughs> cards. I'm gonna just say the the Cubbies are gonna find a way Woo. to somehow that pitching beat stuff. out That's the Brewers. Brutal. I yeah, I know they suck, but <laughs> there's enough there's enough power in those bats that maybe you know David Bodie becomes the, my new man crush. Um, so gonna, Cubs are Cubs be are two. The 2016 Orioles that like made the playoffs and or whatever it was, whatever year yeah, it was. Why not? Why not? With no pitching, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey. Blind squirrel, man. Blind squirrel. Mm-hmm. Brew crew, three, uh, one and a half behind the Cubbies, Reds, Pirates. Yeah, so I've got Cardinals, one, Brew crew, two. I can see those two flipping very easily. I got Cubs and Reds, three and four. I can see those two flipping pretty easily. Pirates are dead last by a mile. They're gonna they're gonna race for their they're gonna race for the first pick with the Orioles and the Marlins. I feel like. <laughs> So Marlins uh, were a playoff team. I get it, but I don't see that repeating. Science. So Science. all right. Blair, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was very late notice. Uh so definitely appreciate it. Let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and, and what you got going on this season. Uh so I'm at everywhere Blair, just as you imagine it being spelled. And if you're somebody who spells Blair with an E, you're an awful person. B-L-A-I-R. <laughs> Everywhere Blair. Um, um, I'm primary. I'm an editor and uh, pitcher guy at Razball. I do football as well. Uh, we'll be doing football throughout the off season. Uh, you'll see that once uh, kind of baseball draft season wraps up because Donkey Teeth and I are a little bit busy with all of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I also do the AL Central for Pitcher List and Across the Seams for Pitcher List. Nice, man. Awesome. Uh, that's that's Blair with a B as in boy, not glare with an E as in fucking gone. Uh, <laughs> by the way, don't ever search on Twitter Blair Williams because I was trying to find you tonight. Uh-huh. And we found out that it was you coming on. And uh, yeah, needless to say, it's not safe for work material that pops up yeah. on Twitter. When when you search for just your name, uh, yeah. there is a uh, 
a uh, bow chicka bow wow artist out there that uh, it with it has e. your name. So and I strongly feel that's why I never got a job in academia. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna hey, ask, man. You, you search your you name. It's like, oh, who the hell? <laughs> I was like, I was like, Jeff, who's what's what's his Twitter? Hey, I'm gonna, I can't find it. It's buried under all this other stuff that I don't really feel like looking at right now. Well, that, that, that's what I tell all the Raswell guys. Is like, hey, if you want to know about me, just ask. Because don't Google me. No, yeah. you can't, dude. It's like, yeah. oh, that's that was kind of funny to find out. So, uh, good good time tonight, man. Uh, definitely have to get you on again. This was a great conversation, but uh, we will let you go and we'll close out the show. Have a good night, man. Thanks so much. Thanks, I agree. Man. Good chatting. All right, AJ. I uh, successfully finished both of these, so it's been a good yeah, night. I had so. fun. So right, my, my second was a Bear Republic Independent Brewing uh, Racer Five IPA, uh, seven and a half. So I finally bumped it up a little bit. I went. I went up. I went up to the tenner, ten spot with a, with a triple. <laughs> it's a. It's a screw the six point nine. And it may got up. So <laughs> pop them. I'm, I'm gonna just grab the growler and just do it. Done. Done. All right. 50 Let's close it out, man. Next week we're finishing our division previews with the NL West. And uh we will check y'all out next Thursday.